listening to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. This podcast is brought to you by Ariat Australia, the perfect choice for the tough jobs. Ariat boots and clothing work hard, look good, and are so comfortable there's never a need to slow down. Visit ariat.com.au today. Hi everyone. It's been a while since I did an informal intro, but here I am. First off, I thought it was time I said hello and welcome to all of our new listeners, because this podcast has grown more than Jane and I ever could have imagined. We're steadily climbing towards the 1 million downloads mark, and that is pretty bloody exciting. Before we get into today's episode, I thought I'd give you a bit of an update about Central Station. A few months ago, we launched a monthly newsletter, which has previews of the most recent podcast episodes, blog posts, and all other sorts of goodies. Our subscribers used to get an email each time we publish something to the website, but we figure that the less emails we send you, the better. So if you haven't already subscribed, head on over to centralstation.net.au and do that, because we also share discounts and other special things with the legends on our mailing list. And one of those things is dibs on the very last of our fishing shirts. There's only a handful remaining, and in our next newsletter, we'll be including a discount code. So, what else is happening with Central Station? Well, I'm currently based out of Alice Springs for the next few months, and I'll be recording a bunch of yarns from across the Territory. We've also purchased a microphone to send it to our interstate guests, so we can do remote recordings with high-quality audio because I don't know about you, but personally, I hate listening to podcasts that have been recorded over the phone or like through just directly through a laptop. I just, yeah, I mean, in saying that, some of our earlier episodes didn't have the greatest audio quality, but we've learned and we've upgraded our gear. But yeah, um, I guess because we're not news, you know, nothing's in a big old rush and we can take our time to do things like that. So very excited to get this uh, microphone being posted around Australia and, uh, yeah, bring you some, some episodes with people that I haven't uh, been able to get to in person because about all but three, I think, of the episodes on this podcast have been recorded in person, um, which means I do a lot of kilometers, um, which I love, of course, though. And I think at the moment from my previous jobs in the pastoral industry and this podcast, I am sitting at about 110 cattle stations. On a, maybe like three or four of those are sheep stations, uh, that I've visited in like the last decade. So I want to keep that number climbing. So yeah, we'll definitely do some remote recordings, but the bulk of them will still be done in person. I just think, um, also when you record in person, it's so much better because you get to spend time with, um, the people and prepare them and kind of make a plan, you know, learn your boundaries for what you're going to talk about and what's kind of off limits and, and just really, I guess, record on your own time and it's not, like there's no pressure there. Um, the amount of times I go out to a station to record and, you know, we, we're like, oh, yeah, we'll do it this time. And then, you know, we just keep putting it off because things come up because, you know, that's just how life is. So, just makes it really flexible when I can be there in person. Now, for today's episode, we're doing something a little bit different. 
reposting one from the archives. That's because I've been a bit flat out with my other jobs. And while we love the podcast, and that reminds me, thank you so much to everyone who has made a donation. Um, so you may have heard a little advert at the beginning of most of our episodes saying that you can make a one-off donation to the podcast. Um, and that's because the reality is that while this podcast is big, um, relatively compared to some of the other ones, in the scheme of things, in the podcasting world, we're not that big and the money made from advertising doesn't, you know, the podcast doesn't pay for itself. So actually most of my time on this podcast is donated. Um, and in the last few weeks, I've actually had to, I've been so flat out with the paying jobs um, that this has kind of been on the back burner, which is why we don't have a brand new episode this week. But We've been going for about three years and this is the first time that's happened. So I think we're going all right. But while we're on that topic, if you guys do feel the uh, desire to make a one-off donation, uh, no subscribing, none of, we're not doing any of that Patreon stuff. Um, I don't want to have to, I don't want to put our episodes behind a paywall. I don't know how many people listen to lots of other podcasts, but there's quite a few. I mean, I subscribe to a number of podcasts that, um, I pay for, but we want to keep Central Station free. So that's why we've got the ads in and um, hopefully with the donations as well, we can make it a bit more sustainable. But yeah, if you'd like to donate, we'd really appreciate it. Okay, so, so back to today's episode. This one is titled 10 Life Lessons Learned from Living Remotely. And while the author, who's my friend Meg, wrote it about her time living on a remote cattle station, I think that after living in a different but overall similar kind of isolation during COVID, all of us can relate to this episode. She's actually pulled together her experiences in such an articulate, succinct way, and it's just really well done. So the other thing I find really interesting is that Meg wrote this 10 years after first working on a cattle station. So she went out when she was 18 And then she didn't come back and work on a cattle station until she was 28. And I'm sure we can all realize or understand that the way you see the world and the way you experience things at the age of 18 and 28 are pretty bloody different. So in this episode, Meg and I discuss some of the important things that she's learned um, while living remote, which may help people that are currently living remotely and may have been doing so for a while, or they may be newbies or somebody who's looking to um, work remote. And that also doesn't just mean on a cattle station, you might be doing FIFO or I don't know, anything remote really, or just anybody who's been through lockdown. And, you know, I think we've all learned that you can be isolated without actually being remote. So, um, while this episode is called 10 Life Lessons I Learned While Living Remotely, it's kind of also 10 Life Lessons I Learned While Living in Isolation. So, and ironically, we actually recorded this episode like a couple of weeks before COVID hit. It was in February 2020. So anyway, enough from me. Let's get into the episode. Meg, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Steph. I love it. Every time I welcome somebody to the podcast, they just look so like, like as if it was their choice to be here. <laughs> Whereas I think people have learned from, I think it was episode 15 with Pip, that nobody really gets a choice to be on this podcast. I kind of just lure them into it. It's kind of very like Wolf Creek, Mick Taylor. 
You are from the Kimberley. I know. Well, I work <laughs> on a station right next to Wolf Creek, actually. So Yugawala, oh. um, part of the one of the places they lease next door, Karanya, uh, is where Wolf Creek is. So, And now you live in Broome and you take people on fishing charters? Yeah, I know. So <laughs> can I say, Steph Coombs or Mick Taylor, who knows? Um, so I'm sitting here with Meg tonight. Poor Meg thought that I was going to teach her how to record podcasts, which I did. I've come in, I've shown her the microphones out, the software, how it all works. And then I was like, why don't we just record one? Because you've got some yarns. And so here we are. That's all right, Steph. It's it's good to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm excited to be my first podcast. Yes. So I'm really excited for this episode because we're going to be talking about a blog that you've written, which we haven't published on our website yet, and it's called 10 Life Lessons I Learned from Living on a Remote Cattle Station. So obviously that means you've worked on a station before. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, the first time I worked on a cattle station was when I was 18. I um, live. I'm actually from Adelaide. I'm one of those city people that moved to the country. Um, so I how confess. did that come about? Well, that's actually a bit of a story. Um, so my grandma was from um, a cattle station near Broken Hill, and she uh, yeah grew up on it, and, and then they moved to the city when she was a bit older. But um, she used to tell me, you know, about living on the cattle station. And then she was also a governess um, in. Mount Barker. I don't know if you know Adelaide well, but Mount Barker is now well a suburb. I said, that's not that remote, is it? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was still like a term, you know. And so then I was like, oh, governess, that sounds interesting. And then I read a book by Di Morrissey. Um, I forget what it's called now, but no, it, but I know the name. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's, yeah, about being a governess. And I was like, well, I can't ride a horse. I can't ride a motorbike. I can't fix much, but I really want to live on a station. Okay. Maybe I can be a governess. And uh, so I found a job in the paper. So I'm 29. <laughs> so Very I, long in the tooth. Yeah. So, uh, you know, 10 or, what, 11 years ago, I still found a job to work on a cattle station in the local paper in Adelaide, which is crazy now. We live in such a digital world. Um, and I got the job and I went up to the cattle station. And I was and, only there for four months, though. And that was in the Territory, though? Yeah, in the yeah. Territory, northeast of Alice Springs. Okay. So... What about the other station? Because you said you worked on two that year. Yeah. So then I worked um, on another one just to the south of Alice. Um, I'm also worked in the station store down there, which um, serviced the Aboriginal community that was nearby and the tourists that would come past to look at some of the different tourist sites around the place. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a different kind of station experience, but I still got to get out and, you know, get in the yards occasionally or go on a boar run and, you know, be part of that station life. But in general, just a huge change from growing up in Adelaide and then going out to live so remote, like of yeah. 180. Yeah. The first place was really pretty remote. Um, and yeah, it was a change, but I don't know. I kind of, I kind of liked it. I, there's so many messages when you live in the city, you walk down the street or do anything and there's. All these, you just get overwhelmed. Oh, I get overwhelmed. Maybe not everyone. Did you but- before though? Yeah, yeah. Like okay. all, all through my childhood, I couldn't wait to move to the bush, and really? I really wanted to live in the country. But country people can be a little 
Clicky? hate to say it, but clicky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as soon as she said that, and then you paused and had this look on your face, and I was like, I think I know what she's going to say. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to break into that scene. How else can I do this? And then being a governess was such a fantastic way to do it because with Alice Springs School there, you automatically, in O week, get to meet all these other governesses and make yeah. instant lifelong friends. So, um, yeah, it was really, really good life decision. And since then, you've you've come back, you've gone back and forth from living remote and living in towns, and you've been in small towns and and big towns and even overseas, haven't you? Yeah, well, um, I decided I was then never going to move back to a place like Adelaide. Um, we say recording this from Brisbane. <laughs> We were forced to come here for <laughs> in an apartment where we've been for three days now. I had to go for a walk in the park this afternoon. I know, so many humans here, like, <laughs> in anyway. concrete. Um, yeah, so I, I've lived in a small town in the US, um, in Oregon, and a small town in Canada. That was really cool. I got to work in forestry over there. Um, and that was about three and a half thousand people. And yeah, it was just, you get catapulted into like the town a lot more and get to meet friends and people are so welcoming, like, oh, fresh meat. <laughs> I feel like once I, cause I grew up in the suburbs just on the outskirts of the city. So basically in the city. And then I went out, I didn't go out to a cattle station for the first time until I was 18. But I remember, like, I used to have no problem. Every Thursday night in Western Australia is late night shopping. Oh, so yeah. I remember, like, and when I was at high school, I used to work at bras and things and Gloria Jeans and McDonald's. And Thursday <laughs> nights, if you were cool enough and if your mum would let you, which wasn't very often for me, we would all go to, the, like, the the Westfield shopping mall or shopping centre and Thursday night just walk around in our little gangs, thought we were cool, like, window shopping. And I just, just wanted to be at the shops or oh, somewhere. Yeah, totally. And now – after like living out in stations or living out in the country, when I have to come back to the city and I'm in the shops, I'm like, all right, I'm writing a list. I'm getting in, I'm getting out. And when I'm in there, I just want to, okay, I shouldn't say this, but like stab everyone. I was like, hurry up. Why are you walking so slow? Get out of my way. Like I just don't, I ha- there's no interest for me anymore. And then I look back and I'm like, how did 16 year old Steph, I was like, Steph, what were you doing with your life? But like, dude, I was 16. But like, it's funny how, when you go and live somewhere else and have that experience, it can really – things that you were so used to before, you're just like, oh, no, like, how did I ever like that? I think it changes you, but I think also that comes with age. You realise yeah. that superficial things aren't so important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, my upbringing was very similar. We'd go to Westfield as well and we'd often go to Valley Girl. Um, yes. And get face-off, or you know, stuff. Yeah. yeah, or attempt, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> How our lives have changed. How they have. Go and work on a cattle station. <laughs> now if we get into town and there's a country target, we're like, oh, my God, it's country target. Yeah, or a mire. Now that's a treat. Oh, my God. No, well, I was really surprised a couple of years ago I went to Townsville and I thought it was kind of like a bigger country town. Holy hell, that place is like a city. They have a David Jones and a Maya and oh, wow. traffic lights and this like big train system. And there's like, and then I Googled and there's like a hundred thousand people in the town. I was like, this isn't a town. This is a city. Like, yeah. Well, Alice Springs, where I live now is 25,000 and Kmart is probably the most exciting shop we have. Oh, and we got a Target too. Yeah. So we have Country Target in Broome, which oh. is not great. There is a, oh no, I think it's sort of a regular, no, you couldn't, it's not really a Country Target, but it's not a full target. Kananara has a country target and that is horrendous. Like that's oh. tiny, but we'll often just drive to Port Hedland, which is six hours away because they've got Kmart and Kmart is life. 
anyway, I digress. Up its game a little bit. Yeah, Kmart, all we want. <laughs> Kmart, if you're listening, for the love of God, please come to the Kimberley and the Territory because Catherine <laughs> only has a country target, and that's pretty average yeah. as well. So Kmart, please come to us. <laughs> anyway, I digress. I digress. Um, so. So you've lived in these really different environments. So you've gone remote, you've gone overseas, you've gone small town, you've gone city. And I think, I suppose it's different for different people, but I think maybe the majority of people living remote would be the most challenging situation. Um, I suppose if some it people- It can be, yeah. I think it depends. I think there's some things about it that are a lot easier and some things that are a lot harder. Yeah. I think it may depend on where you've, I think if you've grown up in the city or if you've grown up with a lot of people- if going remote, that's a huge change. Maybe it's just the change in general and the extremes. I suppose if you grew up really remote and then you got shoved into city life, that would probably be quite difficult to adjust to as well. For me, I think it's all about the people. Like, no matter what situation you're in, if you're surrounded by like-minded people or people on the same page or looking for the same experience as you, then you're probably going to have a good experience. Like, so if you work on a cattle station with people that are on the same page as you, they've got the same morals generally, you know, and uh, like some people similar age and that sort of thing, then you're probably going to have a a really good time. But if you've got some prickly characters that can really bring the whole place down, that's when it makes it a bit harder. And I guess likewise in the city, like if you're around like-minded people, it's not so Yeah, that reminds me of that quote where it's like, um, I don't remember the specific wording, but it's how like some people are like, oh, I might live in a city and be surrounded by people, but I'm really lonely. Like it's yeah, not actually about yeah. being – so you could be out in a cattle station in a crew of five and be fully fulfilled socially, or you could be in a crew of five and also be super lonely depending on what the quality of the, those connections are. Yeah, so a sense of community. Yeah, which is really important, which is, yeah, something that we've spoken about in other episodes and in some of our blogs that – um and, and we covered this in episode 12 with Kate Everett, that it's not it's not one size fits all and not everywhere is for you. So if you go somewhere and it really doesn't feel right, then that may not be your place, but next door they may be your tribe or, definitely, or definitely. in another state or wherever. So it is – but it's so important to find that tribe because it – Yeah, find your tribe and keep them. <laughs> keep them close because they'll make you so much happier. Hold them hostage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I think that living remote, like, as a place, personally, it's not hard. I mean, once you take away all the bullshit, (laughs) (laughs) concrete and bullshit, then it's, you know, it's, it's, um, you've got nature, which makes you feel relaxed. Um, you've got animals, which you care about and they're interesting and something's always happening on a station. And you've got a, you've got safety, like you've got somewhere to live, regular food. Like you don't have to think about that much. Like that's actually, you know, the best part of it really. So, you went from Adelaide to the station or to a couple of different stations. Then you have kind of come back and lived overseas and in other places. And then a couple of years ago, you ended up going back out to another station in the Territory, kind of after this big gap. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you could call it like my midlife crisis or something. I I hope you live to be older than 60, but yeah, (laughs) I hope that wasn't the middle of your life. (laughs) No. um, Yeah, I was 27. So I guess I did all these um, things and I sort of started the career and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is quite for me. And I did some traveling and thought – this is great. And then I came back to Australia and then I just landed this other job working on a station again, um, doing pasture monitoring. And I thought, well, that's looks like a pretty good opportunity. Um, I've got nothing better to do at the moment. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And, um, yeah, I think it was a really great decision because 
working on a cattle station when you're 18 or 19, you've got one perspective, but once you've lived a bit and um, experienced some different things and then you go back when you're 27, you like just see it from a totally different perspective. And I've got to ask, how did you go from being a governess to grass monitoring? Because that's a different <laughs> skill set and a, a very different role on the station. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> did, you, did you study something at university? Yeah. So I went um, to Charles Sturt University and studied environmental science and management. I've always been really interested in what's going on around me. Like um, when I used to go for country drives in South Australia, where I'm from, I'd always be asking my parents, I was that annoying kid in the back seat, like, why, why, why is that tree over there? Why is there no tree there? What's going on over there? And my parents would have a crack at um, answering it. But, you know, it's not until years later I know that my dad was actually wrong and, <laughs> you know, there was <laughs> actually was trees there. Before. Up to shut you up. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went to uni to try and understand a bit more about, like, what the environment should look like and, you know, um, yeah, and then I've also always been really interested in agriculture and I think like the rangelands is the perfect place for agriculture to meet like environmental kind of studies because you're basically using the environment as it is, you're not modifying it really and you're just kind of trying to find that balance between agriculture and keeping enough grass on the ground and um, keeping your animals healthy. Maintaining so. the functionality of that landscape. Exactly, while- yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you come back to a very different role. What was that like? Yeah, well, no, so also just being, sorry, also just being older in general, yeah. but having that different position yeah. on a station and a, and a new station altogether, so completely new dynamics. Yeah, a different kind of station from family station to um, company station, which is, yeah, a corporate quite, one. Yeah. yeah, quite different. Um, yeah, well, I quite liked, as I said, I really enjoyed the pasture monitoring. Like, um, I was just out in the paddock basically by myself looking at grass all day, which is a fantastic way to think about life and reflect. And I feel like I would have a nervous (laughs) breakdown and end up having like, like a bucket on the seat next to me with a face drawn onto it called Wilson. Like, as I drove around. Oh, you know, I definitely made up fantasies about the trees and like, there was, um, I did a couple of memes, which I actually got a lot of um, interaction on Facebook about old bloodwood trees um, <laughs> and, like, imagining them as soldiers, like, because uh, bloodwoods live for a really long time and they lose limbs, um, you know, like, if it's really dry or something, there's a dry period, like, any eucalypts, they'll just drop off limbs. So if it's really dry, like, there's some bloodwoods on this property that had just dropped an entire, like, big branch, say, like, 30 centimetres across or something. Um, and, um, yeah, I was just imagining them as like an 1800s war soldier kind of thing, like losing his arm and then like a smaller tree that was like from the 1950s or, you know, like. That is so bizarre. Like, I know. I'm not even going to. It's I'm so not nerdy. Judging, I'm kind of over here like, oh God, I've got this girl in my hotel room. <laughs> wow. What's she going yeah, to do to me? Different. What else did you, were um, you always on your own when you did that job? Mostly. I did have some people out come and help me sometimes because I had to carry around a big picket and a dolly and I'd try and like figure out how to juggle all this stuff like to get, because you had to walk about a K or I think it was five. Well, maybe it was a hundred meters in, which sometimes in brush can be a little oh, wow. challenging. Um, but yeah, like there was moments I thought about snakes or like what would happen, but, um, but I did, we had, we had an OH&S plan Plans in place. People <laughs> knew where you were, you checked yeah. in at certain times. Yeah. Hopefully you had a, a two way on you. Yeah. Had a two way. <laughs> you see her snake bandage down your bra? In the, in my top pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Just Good in Lord. case. Most of the time I did. Yeah. I mean, because you know, if you, if that does happen, like, 
yeah, it wouldn't have ended well. But um, no, but it was re- it was a really good time because I think sometimes having some alone time's good. But yeah, it that just, is true. Yeah, that is true. Sometimes working with the, I guess it's like you get to come and like maybe when you get to breakfast and dinner, those people while you live with them, like it's kind of like you haven't seen them all day. So it's like mm. new conversation for you. Whereas if you're in the crew, you see them at breakfast, you see them all day, you see them at dinner. You can get sick of them. Yeah. So yeah. you got you got a little reprieve from that. And did you yeah. just do the monitoring on one station for that company or on all their properties? Um, All their properties. That's cool. So yeah. you got to go around and meet different people. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That also I love it when some of these – and that's one of the benefits of corporates is they can afford to have that person that just does monitoring. Like that's really – Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it was really interesting because a lot of those sites, it was the first time they were monitored. So I could kind of – you know, I was seeing some basically untouched land and, and sort of recording it for what it was um i did find the plant books a little challenging they don't quite cover everywhere (laughs) but um yeah it was it was really good and there's just some some beautiful country we get to work in up in the territory i think we're we're really lucky did you Um, ever just think as you're walking through paddocks you're like i'm probably one of 30 people that have ever actually stepped foot in this exact location or you're probably the only person who's ever stepped foot in that location but maybe only 30 people that have ever seen that tree in their life or something because it's so yeah remote and like you know when you go mustering you can go any which way in a paddock so just to be there and see that one thing or stand in that one spot like yeah that's one of my favorite things about doing that kind of work is you know you think how many people actually get to see that or even just working on cattle stations like some of my other jobs have taken me to a bunch of different stations in the NT and yeah, I do feel really privileged every time that, you know, I'm working, walking on ground that not a whole lot of people have got to experience. It's kind of like exclusive access. Like, oh, you know, yeah. you hear about like celebrities or rich people yeah. that have like, all, you know, <laughs> secret societies where it's like very exclusive membership to these country clubs or whatever and only the elite can get in. Um, but sometimes I feel like, you know, like tourists go to all the same hot spots, you know, in the Kimberley and Pilbara. And I'm like, well, I went swimming in this pool or this waterfall or this station because it's off, yeah. cause it's off the highway and it's not a public tourist spot. And like only a few people have been there. Or if you get to go up in the top or something, you're like, not that many people have seen that thing there. And yeah. that's what I love about stations. Like, yeah. Me too. Definitely. Which is funny because while sometimes I judge like the snobby rich people for being like, Oh, you're so, you've got your exclusive, like, whatever what like you're so fancy but in the same way i'm kind of being like at a club (laughs) yeah like it's like a station like exclusivity thing like well i'm the only person to have walked on this ground so yeah or seen like that's you know yeah (laughs) that's just me some amazing things no i totally agree and like you said with some of the trees like i remember there was this one and it was it must have been four or five hundred years old and i was thinking wow like this is pretty special it's cool Yeah. yeah 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 so while living remote is can be such a gift and a blessing and there's so many opportunities, um, it, as we've mentioned, it can be really challenging, especially if people haven't done it before. It can be – and there's so many factors that influence the experience you're going to have and the quality of life, not just, you know, you said the people you've got around you, where you are, the location, what your previous experiences are, I suppose. And um, in this story, you've actually written – 10 lessons, like we said at the beginning, 10 lessons that you learned from living remote. It's like your 10 tips for people, you know, pieces of advice to yeah. be able to make the most out of that. Yeah, definitely. Or- and just not fret on some things because it can, you know, it can be a bit overwhelming. And some days, you know, you're out in this remote place and you're surrounded by things that aren't 
necessarily making you really happy at the time. And sometimes you just need a bit of a reality check to go, hang on, like, you know, this is actually amazing. And all the things that we were just talking about are what makes this experience so special. I feel like we could almost make a little um, cute printable thing or like a screensaver with these 10 lessons of yours and like save them as a screensaver on an iPhone or have something that you'd print out and put up like in your 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 wardrobe or something so that when you're like, yeah, so that when you're like, oh, then you can just look at it and then be like, okay, I just need to go through the steps and just recalibrate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Recalibrate. That's perfect. So we'll get into them. What is Lesson number one. I feel like I'm talking to Oprah, by the way. Like, <laughs> teach me your life lessons, sensei. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or who wants to be a millionaire? Um, <laughs> one, one of the other. Where did that come from? I don't know. I felt like I was in a game show. <laughs> I was like, who wants to be a millionaire? Me. But I'm totally happy if you want to be Oprah. I've always wanted to meet Oprah. So. No, no, I was saying you are Oprah. Oh, I'm Oprah. Because oh, you're giving yes. the wise life advice. That's like my life dream. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> to be a, a middle-aged Oh, lady. <laughs> she has <laughs> she has so much um, influence over people. She does, yeah, and which she can use for great things. And after you've listened to all the episodes on this podcast, everyone, make sure you hit up the Oprah podcast. She's got like three of them; they're amazing. Really, great. anyway. Sorry, we digress. Okay, um, number one. Number one. It's all about perspective. So, break it down for us. Well, perspective is pretty important no matter where you are in life, whether you're living remote or whether you're in the city. It doesn't really matter. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I actually had that on my uh, desk computer for a while just to remind me because sometimes you can get very frustrated by your surroundings and you just got to remember it's about perspective and also how you see the perspective but also how um, other people that you work with see the perspective. So, cause you know, you may be like, why aren't you seeing this this way? And it's because that person's only got a different type of information or they've had a different upbringing or something like that. And um, like, yeah, I think that's something, I mean, we could do like a whole podcast series on this cause that really delves into the psychology, um, and people's cognitions. But I think that's something that is probably, and you've got it as number one. And I really do think that is number one because mm. people need to be aware of how their beliefs and attitudes uh, influence the way they think and the way that they – because it's not just something happens and I respond this way. It's actually the way you think about what's happened um, that influences the outcome. So it's not like, oh, um, the manager said, I need – sends me a text, I need to see you in the office. It's not – and then you you go, oh, my God, oh, my God, what have I done wrong? He's going to fire me. It's – it's how I've interpreted that message. So yeah. some, somebody else would see that and go, oh, okay, cool. I'll got to, I'll finish up Smoko and then I'll head into the office. So it's how you interpret things. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important that that's something I've been doing some work on that lately, like some like actual work, um, and reading books and stuff. Cause I just think it's so important. Your mind is the most powerful tool you have. Oh, absolutely. And it's something it's the that key is, to your happiness. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's certainly like. Uh, can can mess with you. So I think to be really aware of how you interpret things because it can really that perspective you've got on things like mm. and looking back, I'm pretty sure I left a station because I was just like went down the rabbit hole and was just like, yeah. oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, everyone yeah. hates me, this isn't working, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But looking back at it more objectively now, like Yeah. Wasn't but when you say it's all about perspective, no matter where you are. I suppose the other thing – sorry, I love that this is your advice and I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I was just going to say um, – you're saying like it's all about perspective, but also I think it's important, a caveat in that is that 
you don't minimize your issues because you're like, oh, I'm having a shit day, but I could be homeless. Like, yes, there's that perspective, but your problems are still relevant and and valid. Are you leading into um, number two there, Steph? Sort of, but I feel like you should talk about more of number one. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, I guess also like, you know, um, it's important to think that, you know, sometimes people can be a bit frustrated with like their manager or something. I mean, this is a common problem for a lot of us. <laughs> Why is that? Raising two hands. Oh my God, I hope my previous bosses don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely put my hands up here too. But, um, you know, and I guess you've just got to think, oh, you know, it's not easy being a manager. You do have a lot on your plate. You have a lot of decisions to make. You have a different, a lot of different people's perspectives to manage. And, um, you know, what you see as right and important may not actually be like very high on their radar because, you know, just they've got a whole bunch of other things which are higher on the, like and, the, of important, high level not, of importance. Yeah. And they're not mind readers either. So they don't no, know how you're interpreting true. things. So while they may, yeah, they may say something and they, it's just normal and somebody else that wouldn't affect them that way. They may not know that it's affected you in that way. Yeah. So, so they've got to be like mini mind readers. Yeah. They kind of, well. they, yeah. I think that's a huge managing people's a huge, yeah. huge thing. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, that's a good one. Just perspective. Yeah. I won't interrupt as much in the second one. No. I'm you, you can go straight into number two oh, and I'm going to zip my lips. Pressure, pressure. <laughs> Since 1959, GMA has been an Australian-owned family company and remains the only Australian manufacturer of UHF CB radios. With their products designed, engineered and manufactured in Sydney's northwest. GMA's products cover a range of recreational activities from fishing to four-wheel driving and touring in addition to catering for heavy vehicles and agriculture. GMA have released a limited edition range of pink products to raise money for the McGrath Foundation to assist in their tireless efforts of funding regional breast care nurses and supporting families in communities across regional Australia. You can find out more by finding them on Facebook, Instagram or at gma.net.au. Yeah, well, number two is look after your mental health. Um, yeah, I think sometimes on a station it can be an unwritten rule that you should just suck it up and not say anything if you don't agree with something or if you're feeling unhappy, like what we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can go away and try and deal with it yourself, um, but you could speak to someone from home or somewhere from what, somewhere, ugh, someone from somewhere else to get a different perspective. Um, as well as trusted friends. I know sometimes on a station it can be a bit of Chinese whispers, so, you know, I guess it's to be mindful of that as well. But if you, you know, do have a problem, talk to your head stockman if you trust them or your manager's wife or someone like that because there are generally these days counselling services available for people and it's, you know, if, if you're really struggling, like tell someone, don't just suck it up because it, it's not going to get any better unless you talk about it. Cannot. I love that. I was like, number one, it's so important. I'm like, number two, it's so important. <laughs> um, so I'll put a link in the show notes, but there is a service called, oh my goodness, mindspot.org or .org.au. And that is, um, you can do an online little course, um, but you also get, and it's free and it's all anonymous. Um, but there's also a council that will like renew once a week for four weeks or something. So that's, that's particularly been made for people in rural communities. Yeah, there's that's also awesome. like the, um, farmer psychologist or that's, it's like a text line that you can text. Cause some people like that's, that to be honest is the hardest thing about living remote is that if you want to get 
treatment for something like that mm. or speak to someone. You've got to drive all the way into town and it doesn't really work unless you do it regularly. And how often do you get days off or days off on a weekday during business hours to go and see a psychologist? Like, but I have to say there is nothing more important in your life than your mental health because it is the foundation of everything and your quality of life and your trajectory of life. Yeah, definitely. And Yes, it can be expensive whether you have private health or not. If you go to your local GP and get a Medicare healthcare plan, you can get 10 free psychology sessions with a, with, um, certain psychologists. But, and I, I've done that before, but then I remember talking to my cousin who's a mental health nurse and I was like, it was like a hundred, you know, it was, it was expensive per when I went beyond that. And I was like, and she was like, are you still doing it? I was like, no, it's too expensive. And she's like, your health is your most like valuable asset. Like, yeah, and then I definitely. think about how much money do I spend on McDonald's or on the bloody Ariat jeans or cowboy boots or all the other shit we spend money on. None of it is the the best investment you can make in your life is when you invest in yourself. Yeah, so definitely. your mental health, your physical health, yeah. your fitness. You like, only get one body. Yeah, your you health. Your health is in. <laughs> the most valuable thing in the world. Yeah, yeah definitely. So I just think. I really love that you've put that there, that you need to. I think definitely be – do you recommend that people be um, – pick – I think I took this from an Oprah podcast like uh, and Brene Brown. It's not like you don't just tell anyone your secrets. Like people don't just – it's important to talk to someone but be selective about who you choose, yeah. which is what I think you're saying. Find someone that you trust yeah. that you can talk to, but yeah. definitely – and also just like I said, talking to someone that's not on the station, like a trusted yeah. friend from home or your parents or something like that, because they're going to have a different perspective and like what you think may be like the world's biggest thing on the station, like realistically in the grand scheme of things, isn't that big. And that can be really good to recalibrate, you know, your kind of stress levels of, you know, when you're out in this, like on the bike during the day, you might be just playing this thing over and over in your head. And then, you know, it's actually like you've built it out to be this, mountain when it's really just a molehill kind of thing. And that links back into point one so well, because you can be thinking about something and that's how you've interpreted that situation. And then you talk to someone. So I actually did this the other week. I went somewhere and normally when I visit this station, I stay in this one place and I got put somewhere like away from the homestead that time. And I was like, oh, have I upset them? Have I done something wrong? And I, I've, cause I've been working on this stuff. I didn't get too upset, but normally I would have been like, oh my God, why am I not in the homestead? What have I done wrong? Do they hate me? And you, you just go down the rabbit hole. So then I messaged a mutual friend being like, oh my God, like, do you think I've done something? And they're like, oh no, they're packing up. Like all the rooms in the homestead, all the guest rooms are full of shit right now. Like there's mm, literally no beds. Yeah. But I was in my mind, I was like, oh my God, they somehow like I'm out of the inner circle. I'm not. Yeah. So you've got that key little bit of information. So just by running it by someone else, yeah, can just bring you, which bring you back down, which leads us into number three. (laughs) All of these communication (laughs) is critical. (laughs) They all lead together very well. Um, You know, if you didn't go and talk to that person, you wouldn't have that little bit of extra information, which you may not have needed because you've been working on your perspective anyway, but <laughs> um, it's it's good. Yeah, it's, communication is really important. I think in this industry, because we primarily work with animals, the idea is we work with animals, you don't need to be a good people person, but no matter what you do, you're working with people. Like, there, unless you're- Definitely. I don't know, 
a hermit living on your own. Like there's not a lighthouse keeper. Yeah. There's not really (laughs) any other job maybe besides lighthouse keeper where you don't have to be good with people. Like you have, you have to make the effort. Even if you're working with animals. So many people, I hear this all the time. Oh, well I love working on a station because I hate people and I love animals. I love cows. I love horses. Well, you can't do it by yourself. You're in a team. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and then you will need those people at some stage as well, like, because otherwise you just get in this little bubble. And like I said, you can just get caught up in your own things. And it's important to talk to people like, how was your day or something just to give you that extra perspective of something else that went on? Because otherwise you may be stewing that your, you know, issue for the day didn't get as much attention as something else. I feel like you've just (laughs) written this whole blog about me, to be honest. Like, (laughs) no. Like, I I wish somebody honestly could have sat me down and gone through with this before I ever went out on stations because there, there was a station and God forbid the station manager will probably listen to this. And after eight weeks, I left and looking back on it now, like I just got in my head too much and I, yeah. and then it just went, I just got worse and worse and worse. Like, yeah. and that was quite a while ago now and I'm still, yeah, it's taken me. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I, w- I wish I'd had this when I did it again as 27, because although you see things differently and may not let some things affect you as much, other things do because you're, you know, more of a mother hen than you probably were when you're 18. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, if people are upsetting you, it is important to like call them on it. Like, you know, take the bull by the horns and, um, yeah, say, you know, calmly your how you're seeing the situation and are they seeing it the same way as you like they may not be seeing it like that like I I know like with one of the managers I used to um I guess have a little bit of trouble in um, communicating with them effectively and one day I was just like you know I'm interpreting this this way like I was quite upset about it um and this happened you know like I just kind of spelt it out to him and he's like oh no I I didn't see it like that and I was like Really? Like, I've been stewing over this, like, mm-hmm. crying, like, yeah. and it was just not even on their radar, on his radar yeah. at all. So, what so was, it's important to say that, like. What was that on the slide we saw in our workshop that we attended today? It was communication is not what you say, it's what people hear. Yeah, totally. So that's a really important thing to keep in perspective. And I think, you know, in a lot of other industries, when people are in leadership roles, and it's not communication is important from a leadership perspective, but also just at any level. But when people are CEOs or managers or whatever, there's usually a lot of professional development. And in some of the corporate companies and some private places, people go and do their own PD. But at the end of the day, these people are managing landscape, uh, animals, infrastructure, the numbers, taxes, Money, whatever, yeah. all this stuff and people nobody's a people management expert. And to be honest, it's probably as an industry where we fall down the most is that mm. we're not the greatest people, people, yeah. people persons, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. So there's a good chance you're going to end up somewhere where they're like, you're just going to get grunted. Okay. <laughs> Someone's going to listen to this and have a go at me, but that's not, you know what I mean? It's just, it's not the strength in our industry. I think that yeah. people are very, the, the are good at communicating with each yeah. other and somewhere using lots of words to chase that cow over there. Like, yeah. what cow? Where? Like- <laughs> yeah, and just commu- and, and conflict resolution is a huge yeah. one. I did that as a, as a class at university and I feel like it's something. But, I mean, that goes – I feel like that should be something that is in all primary school and high school mandatory so that people can actually – anywhere in the world can talk to each other properly. Cause- I, yeah, I think that you could be leading into the next one, but, like – not I know. I know, honestly, <laughs> but not on purpose in a way like and this this is again quite broad but um it's 
do not expect people to know what to do. So whether that's with people or whether that's just how to find their way to a bore or where to lead those cattle or how to slow them up or something like that. Um, but before I want to go into that, I just wanted to say, like, with that comment that you said from our workshop, um, an ex-boyfriend of mine, he put it really well, and I had never really thought about this before, but he said that his dad and him would watch the same movie and they'd see the, 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 watch the same film, but they'd see a totally different movie. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like, you and I both might watch Man from Snowy River or something, and you might just interpret it totally differently to how I do. Yeah. You might see the love story and I might see, I don't know. The the horse story? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, something. I don't know. But I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah, So just recognising that everyone, and everyone has different backgrounds and experiences and triggers and whatnot. So it's just, you're in a motley crew of people. But yeah, what what was number four again? So yeah, don't expect people to know what to do. Um, <laughs> I feel like this one is a shout out to the managers. Yeah. I mean, and the head stockman and the bit, leading hands bit, and anyone yeah. that's giving anybody else a task. Yeah. Or to be honest, like, yeah. Or like, or sometimes you might task someone to like go and fix that bore thing and then they bugger it up and you're like, well, why didn't you fix it properly? And it's like, well, did you actually show them how to do it? And, and, and then it could end up being more costly. And sometimes there are things that you're like, well, of course they know how to do this. Like, to move the sprinklers around on the lawn. Yeah, that's so or, true. Or to unpack the, cool, <laughs> unpack the shopping into the cool room or to do something like that and you're like, well, everyone can do that. Yeah. And then you all do – honestly, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but to do the dishes. Some people have really specific ways of, yeah. they like, of how they like things being done. So if there is a way, you need to show someone because some people are like, yeah, I just dip it in the suds and then I put the study dishes in the rack. And other people are like, no, no, you've got to rinse it. And yeah, yeah. I always ask people when I go there, yeah. like, how do you wash the dishes? It's not yeah. that I don't know how, but how do you like it done? And that's actually not in here, but that is a really good point of asking well, how do you want it done? Done. Like, rather than just going, oh, yeah, okay. Like, they tell you you're not really sure and you just say, yep, all right, I should just know. Like, you're just thinking in your head, I should just know. But then, you know, the maturity, I think, shows when you then turn back and say what you said. Like, how do you want Want it done? done. And make – and I think um, letting them know, just be like, oh, well, there's a couple of different ways I could do this. I just want to check how you like it done. Because sometimes people – this has backfired on me before. When I worked on a ranch in Wyoming, I used to ask them – how they wanted things done. Um, so things like tying a horse up in the horse trailer, because some people, like I always grew up being taught, you always tie a horse to baling twine. And then where I was in different places in America, some people would tie the horses up to baling twine so that if they pulled back, it would break. Other people would solid tie them to a rail. So that if they pulled back, they'd hurt themselves probably pretty much. But the theory was that they would stop or they would snap something eventually, but definitely cause some kind of damage. Other people just would, um, put them in the back of a long, like, gooseneck and not tie them up at all. They just wrap the reins around their neck. And so I – so I think one time I solid tied this horse and someone else was like, no, 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 like, we use baling twine. I was like, oh, okay, the last ranch I was on, like, you had to so- – everyone does everything different. Mm. So I just got into the habit of being like, oh, how do you want this done? But then they started to think I didn't actually know how to do anything. I was like, no, no, it's not that I don't know how to, like, load my horse into a trailer. Yeah. I just don't want to do it the way that you're going to be like, that's not how it's done. Yeah. So you've heard us before – Rather than asking for forgiveness or something, ask for oh, permission rather than forgiveness then in that for situation. Th- no, you don't ask for permission and then beg for forgiveness. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so I don't know if that was the right one. No, probably not, but you're, like, trying to avoid that it situation. It's 10.30 at night, though, so <laughs> yellow. 
Um, anyway, should we go to number five? Yes. You what? won't get along with everyone. <laughs> this was a really sad lesson for someone who's a bit of a Labrador like myself. What does that mean? <laughs> if you're a Labrador. Just, they're just so like happy to please, like willing to please and helpful. And like, they just want to, I don't know. I feel like they just want peace. Like for anybody who obviously, well, everybody, you can't see Meg right now. You should probably also know that she's really hairy and slobbery. <laughs> I have golden hair like a Labrador. <laughs> I'm not a small dog. <laughs> You're hardly a big dog. <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, so, okay. If that's the case, like, how do you accept that? Well, I guess I don't know. I did find it hard to accept that. You know, there's some people you just won't click with. Um, and then, but then, yeah, there's some people on a station like the this one that I worked on the second or third time, second time around when I was 27. Um, it, there was quite a few different people there. So, you know, you, I sort of realized, I guess, that there's some people you'll just click with and then some people whose company you'll, you know, enjoy, but you won't like go out of your way to see them every day. Cause there was about 50 people. So, wow. so you can't possibly talk to everyone. So yeah. you find yourself gravitating to some. And then I think, yeah, by the end of it, I just kind of realized that, yeah, there's some people I just don't really like. It's not that I don't like them. I just feel kind of neutral about. And then there's some people I really don't enjoy sitting around and talking to. Um, and yeah, and that's normal. And that, that was a, I mean, I guess it took me 27 years to figure that out. Some people figure that out a lot earlier, but that was a really good life lesson because it's kind of like put the energy into the people, your tribe that you care yeah. about. So, but you still have to live and work alongside the people that you may not vibe with. What's your advice for doing that? Cause I think it's still important to, it's like it's annoying. You're like, oh, but you've still got to be respectful and take deep breaths. Kind and, <laughs> and show, I think, still initiate and show people kindness. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Like that guy's a complete tosser, but hey, how was your day? Or if you're getting everyone a beer, can I get you a beer? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely don't discriminate. Yeah, yeah, definitely be the big person. Don't discriminate, but just be comfortable with the fact that some people you just won't get along well with. Actually, as I said, that advice about how, like, oh, you should be the bigger person and say there is somebody that uh, I think I've said this in the episode with Kay Everett is, makes my life hell in my professional world, not directly working with me. And that's I'm very aware of the fact that you don't get along with everyone and not everyone's going to like you and you're not yeah. going to like everyone. It's, yeah, it is hard to, when I do come across them, to be like, hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you can I'm not going to ask them if yeah. they want a beer, though. So yeah. if somebody just heard me say that and they're like, no, I'm not going to ask that person if they want a beer, you know what, I'm with you because I would not ask this person if they wanted a beer. <laughs> I probably would, but I wouldn't look them in the eye. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. It wouldn't be a super sincere one, but it would be yeah, polite. Yeah, it's a tough one. A, you've got to find that balance between whether or not you can build a bit of a relationship, you're never going to be best buds, but yeah. be more cordial, or if it's just a we need to tolerate each other kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And, th- and then it depends how closely you have to work together and stuff as well. And I guess, ah, oh, I love these all just set – they flow. They really do. You've read this. I'm really <laughs> impressed. Um, so number six. Yeah. Um, some people will set your mood for the day. So that is definitely flowing on from what we were saying. And <laughs> as much as you might try to not let that happen, sometimes there will be people that will challenge you and they'll just have really big personalities and yeah, how you deal with that, it will define your enjoyment of your time on the station, I think. Um, it is a pretty insular environment and like you just said, it can be, I don't know, really difficult. Um, but yeah, it, it's, 
you might get back from the cattle yards and they're at the rec club and you're like, oh, I really don't want to go to the rec club just because that person's there. But, oh. but you know, if they're there every day, then, you know, I maybe go like back you're to- reading my diary. It's <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe you were reading mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe you can go back to your room for 15 minutes, kind of just take a chill pill. Or grab a beer to go back to your room, take a chill pill, and then and then you can sort of face it. Like I know that if you came back to that some days, you're like, I just can't deal with that person. So, you know, some some days you might want to avoid the rec club, but don't let them rule your life. Like I think so. The 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 way we've written it, or the sorry, the way you've written it, I'm not going to take credit for your work. Is some people will set your mood for the day. I'm wondering if we sort of tweak that to, um you are in control, like you you are responsible for setting your mood for the day. So yeah, that if you know, true. if you walk into breakfast and somebody is just an asshole or a dick or whatever, you can stew on that all day. But and I think this comes back to point one or when I was talking about understanding mm. how your mind works and your cognitions and that mm. stuff is understanding that you are at the end of the day able to control like control yeah, that it's hard absolutely. and it takes a lot of practice it's not something yeah. you can just do overnight. Yeah, yeah definitely but i think that's a um definitely something you should work on because well not you so but anybody because yeah. you can you can somebody can just and it can stew away but what is it um it's like they say holding on to resentment or not for, i think it's like yeah holding on to resentment is like um drinking poison and expecting the other person to die yeah or something yeah, or to get yeah, sick yeah. Or, or that's kind of like i think like not i think that maybe say that about forgiveness as well or something but yeah i love that quote that it's like blah 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 is like you drinking poison and not ex- and expecting the other person to get sick or to feel bad or something so you let's say you come across someone at breakfast or or in the middle of the day or whatever and they do something and it just triggers you sets you off and then you're like Ugh, and then you go around all day going like oh, like you know or feeling really upset or mortified or something yeah but so it's not actually affected them that way so they're just off living their best life you know on the gram or whatever um <laughs> Oh my god! I can't believe I just said on the ground. Like, they're off, they're off. No, they're so not they're r- rippling. Yeah, yeah. So they're not feeling anxious. They're not having those physiological responses. They're not stewing on things in their head. They're having a quite pleasant day, and you're the one that's suffering. So sometimes you've just got to let it go and be like, "Oh well." Like, yeah, yeah. No, totally. I definitely agree. And I guess like. You do, and that, but then that goes. Well, I mean, that's almost leading into number seven there, which is you, I see a theme. <laughs> you need to keep contact with the outside world. So, um, you know, if they are really frustrating you, you just don't want to be around them. Go and find a friend, like talk to someone else, and calm calm down and, and hear about somewhere else. Oh. Yeah, and just remember that you know it, you're on you're in a, a small place, and that there's a lot more out there. Um, it's yeah. a good one to find a balance with, especially That's with technology. Yeah. Um, again, the episode with Kate Everett, we're talking about how like back in the day before you had like internet and smartphones, your crew were like your family. And at the end of the day, you'd sit around and you talk to them. And now it's quite often I go out to a station and the crew's all there scrolling on their phone. So they're like yeah, present, but they're not yeah. present at all. Yeah. So I think it's great that you can keep in touch with people from the outside world, but sometimes it's really important to like put the phone down and actually get to know your crew, which yeah. And, and have those connections as well. But one of the blessings, you know, like it's a blessing and a curse, but one of the blessings of having access to the technology and in, and people outside of the station is that when it's all getting a bit much, you've got that. Yeah. That other, you can 
dilute it. I yeah, suppose. and when I say like keep in contact with the outside world, like I'm not talking about the gram or, <laughs> or um, Facebook Messenger. Like you know, there's still so much quality in having an actual phone conversation. Yes, because yeah, I it I totally know what you mean. Like in my time of working on stations, it's gone from basically not having internet to going out to big places and there's all the ringers sitting there on their phones and i just i think the first time i noticed that was about four years ago i was like shocked it's different the first so different first time i went out i changed my facebook password and gave it to my friend and i would call her from the station because we didn't have internet i'd be like yeah can you log into facebook can you tell me what's happening oh really oh wow but i think also like when you're messaging someone on messenger or snapchat there's that delay in response. Even if they're replying to you, there's still a delay. But sometimes, you know, it's 20 minutes or an hour or a day before they reply. Same with Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. Yeah. If you're on the phone, you've got that person's attention and you can have a conversation there and then you're just so much more engaged. And it's not so much left to interpretation either because if yes. you're already anal- overanalyzing your day or, or you don't frustrated. get left on red. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or or if they are sending you something back and you're going, oh, they're being, you know, you, you can interpret people's written text a lot different to how they say yes. things. Yeah. Ag Workforce specialises in recruiting for agricultural jobs, including farm work, station work and agribusiness across Australia. View current jobs, advertise a position or register as a job seeker at agworkforce.com.au. So um, number eight's actually not flowing as well, Steph. No, oh we're going to change up the pace a little bit. But this one, every time I read one of these, I'm like, yes, this should be number one. And they're like, well, they can't all be number one. But this is very, very important. So um, look after your body. You only have one. We kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. But, um, yeah, working on a cattle station as a 27-year-old compared to an 18-year-old the uh, importance of looking after your body definitely became more paramount. Um, <laughs> lots of people complain about their backs, um, you know, being sore and things like that, and I'm just thinking stretch it out, stretch it out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, you know, I guess there's so many different things that can impact your time on a station, whether it's the physical labour of the work, riding a motorbike all day, dehydration, like, stress more so probably for management rather than ringers but you know sometimes depending on who you're working with it can be hard as well and then i think the diet can be challenging sometimes if you're out at camp for ages and you're not getting a whole lot of variety in the food um but again it depends what you work and then if you get on the piss too much <laughs> like um you know it's all well and good to have a bit of a beer but you know over time that will will play on you and as you get older it does get a lot harder for your body to bounce back i feel like there's a lot of um unwritten expectations or unspoken expectations on people and i wonder if we just end up putting all these pressures on ourselves from our misconceptions and presumptions like like, oh, I've got to be tough. Sometimes people have told me, you need to be tough, but how often do you actually get told you need to be tough? But, like, you know, there's this whole mentality of she'll be right, suck it up, get on with it. But, no, like, so important things, sun protection. Yeah, Like, ain't nobody got time for skin cancer. I'm sorry, there is no no room. No, I've got no wiggle room on that with anybody. Nobody, oh, my God. Okay, so I suppose I – spent time photographing professional radio in America. And one thing I've learned, like, and, and even in Australia, people are, like, broken by the time they're 30 or 35. Like, they're pretty broken. Like, I don't want to be broken at 35. No. So, 
Yeah, because you, you, you can't trade that body in. Yeah, when you get and, and you may not be on a station forever, so you don't want to be, like, 40 and, like, oh, my knee from that time. Like, mm. But hearing, people do not wear protective yeah. hearing yeah. stuff, like, and you can be, like, half deaf at 38. Like, that's not yeah. fun, especially if you're not on a station anymore. And, like, what? there's nothing worth sacrificing that for. And same with people not wearing proper welding gear and kind of getting mm. flashburns. Or, like, we're very blase about OHNS in this industry and every now and then it backfires and somebody gets hurt or killed. Yeah. Um, but there's just no – it's not that much extra effort. You might look a little dorkier, but yeah. hearing protection, eye goggles, if you're soaring something. I've got – I've been using a, a grinder and just got a little flicker of something in my eye. And, like, you can't just run to the emergency room and get the nurse to flush that stuff out. You're in the middle of nowhere. Like, put on the goggles. Yeah, Like, definitely. it's not that hard. Yeah, yeah. Put on the hat. Um <laughs> you need that body, like. Yeah. Yeah. And even, like, lifting heavy things, like, you know, people will just be like, oh, you'll be able to pick it up. It'll be fine. And you see people struggling. It's like, just the stop, c- ask someone else or use, yeah, the equipment and you might if have. if you have hurt something, let someone know so that if you've, like, sprained your wrist and then they want you to work the head bail and tag that day, be like, listen, can I please go use my other arm and work the race or push cattle up in the yards and spray my wrist? Because if something's already a little bit hurt and then you keep pushing it. I remember one day we were in the yards on this place in the Territory and um this girl was bang tailing. And this was actually a really bizarre freak accident. The bull, somehow, he it was a Mickey and he picked up his leg and kicked out and normally he would hit a rail, but somehow he just lifted up high enough and got out the side of the crush and oh, wow. his hoof sliced open her hand. Oh, and she was like, and she was um 17 bless her. And she was real like real tough. And she was like, no, no, I'm right. I'm right. And she's like shaking around, jumping up and down. Like, I'm right. I'll be right. Just give me a bandage. We'll put her up. And I was like, no, like I'm taking you to the clinic. It was like an hour and a half. Away. I was like, no, like, no, no, we like, you're going to the clinic. No, no, come on, we'll finish this mob. I'll just bandage it up. We'll get it done. No, no I ended up taking it to the clinic. She ended up having to go and have surgery on that hand and lost some nerve function in it. So imagine if she'd waited any longer and she yeah. could have, by, by continually using that, she could have lost, um, well, one thing I also one time. <laughs> Which isn't going to come back. No. Yeah. yeah. Confession time. I, um, uh, misread <laughs> the bluff, stuff. miscalled <laughs> the bluff of a spay cow and, started climbing up the rails, scrambling up the rails a, a moment too late, and she head-butted the back of my left calf. And there was – so my calf was between her forehead and the rails. And um, it hurt. And I was like, oh, you don't hurt for a while. It throbbed. I kind of limped around on it that day. And I limped around on it for about three weeks, just being like, oh, it's just, wow. you know, it's just a bit bruised or whatever. Like, didn't really look at it too much. And then it wasn't until I was, we were out in one of the other company places and I was supposed to get on a horse and I tried to get on the horse and my leg just, the pain just like washed over me and I like, fe- like fell off the horse and it was like, it was horrible. And they were like, no, you can't ride a horse. And then I ended up going out fencing and I went into town the next week. So after a month and went and saw a physio and she was like, mate, you've torn your calf muscle quite severely. Can you not see that your left calf is twice the size of your right calf? And I was oh like, oh my gosh. No, no. She's like, you need a compression bandage and to be doing these exercises and you should have been doing this for, you should have been wearing a compression bandage a month ago. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, and it can still, you know, like those lingering things that yeah. every now and then if you, so, and I just, cause I, if I took the weight off it, I probably honestly should have had crutches as well, but I just was like, nah, it'll be all right. And we we're four hours from town. So I was like, I'm not going to ask for a day off so I can go into town. Plus when you get the day off to go into town, like, well, can you drop by and pick up this and stop by elders and go to landmark and go to the mechanics and yeah. go to Woolies and next minute you're 
town trip for a doctor's appointment becomes yeah. your everyone's shopping lady. Logistics. But um, <laughs> but it's it's just not worth it. Same as when I've worked in hospitality and held um, quite heavy plates or a tray full of beers, and you get RSI on your wrist, mm. like or, or str- strain injuries, yeah. like Speak ain't up. nothing worth yeah. your body. Like yeah, yeah. Well, that's we're kind of skipping on here, um, like, but that leads on to number ten. But yes. we should probably go number nine first. I guess. Uh, we we we'll can skip, mix it up. We'll mix it up. Okay, yeah. we'll go Keep down to number. Ten. We'll go down to number ten. We'll skip number nine. So only you will look after you. Oh my god, I'm just gonna shut up because I've been talking way too much in this. <laughs> That was basically what I was just talking about, but you pretty much give but that, me your perspective. You were just segueing. It's all good stuff <laughs> without meaning to. Um, yeah, no, it's perfect. At the end of the day, on a cattle station, life can be really busy. They're long days, um, and only you is going to look out for you because if everyone's really tired, they're going to be just trying to get through the rest of the day. So, like you just said, you know, if something's bothering you, seek help for it. Don't don't just let it linger. Because you're gonna you're gonna look after your body forever. Yeah. Those people might be your bosses for a week or two, or, or a, a year of your life. Two. Yeah, and yeah. I think to an extent, other people will look out for you. But yeah, you at the end of the day, you are your responsibility. Absolutely, first, like you've yeah. got to step up and yeah. Be Mom's your own not there, champion. or mum or dad aren't there to look out for you, or your brother or sister is. You. You've got to you've got to step up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is also, I guess, we can probably maybe we'll switch those. Only two you will look after you, and that about not trusting us. Ins- <laughs> that includes sexual health. <laughs> I love that this is at the end of the podcast. So yesterday um, with the episode I've done with Jody, I'll link it in the show notes. Not sure which one of these is going to be published first. At the end of the episode, we got to sex. Yeah. I'm glad that after fun a topic. season two, that's when we start talking about sex. <laughs> tell me. Tell me your thoughts. So what? Well, ladies and gentlemen, when yeah. you're heading out to the station for the season or when you're like get when you're in town next get prepared <laughs> whatever you need in your bag of tricks to have a safe enjoyable and healthy time on the station pack ahead as it can be a long way to the doctor and sometimes if you don't deal with issues in a timely manner it can get bigger worse or spread they're <laughs> <So> going to <laughs> death yeah so people will of course recognize this story whichever episode is published first but I said it in, this, in the episode with Jody as well about how I was <laughs> in the territory and there was this um, properties that were owned by the same company and chlamydia went around the company. Not with me. I would like to. I was a good five, six years older than most of the crew and also had no social skills. Um, so I was definitely not sleeping with anybody. But, yeah, it's. Um, I like how you said. No social skills. Steph, you've come a long way. <laughs> She's gone from not being able to talk to not being able to shut up. God, God help us all who gave me a microphone. Um, yeah, like you said, get prepared. And so that was on a post we published earlier in the year about things to pack and also one of Jody's recommendations in her blog, Tips for Station Newbies, condoms, condoms, condoms. Girls, do not rely on guys to provide them. Guys, Always be pa- both of you. Always be packing them, and at some events, and also pack your own. Keep your own. Hide it in the zippy part of your wallet, in your toiletry bag, whatever. At some events, they will um, give them out for free. Yes, yeah. but I was in the office last week, and another work colleague of mine who has worked out in stations in the Kimberley was telling me like two years ago she was at this rodeo and she said there was this really nasty group of girls who came up to where all the condoms were like at the I think it was at the bar or something and they pulled out a pin and were 
like actually, I mean, I don't, they were putting holes in them. I don't horrible. know if that's just something you see in the movies and it doesn't work like that in real life, but I imagine that any kind of tear is not good. Yeah. Like, I don't know how big a hole you need for stuff to get through, but like, that is like, A, those people, karma, not going to be good to them, but don't trust things you, you're getting out of a freebies bowl or out of the, the um, bathroom dispenser at the pub. Like, well, well, you know, like, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to preempt things or like over prepare people, but like, there are some other things as well as condoms that are handy to have if you, if you can, um, like a morning after pill. Yes. Because if, if you can get your mittens on one of those and take that out to the station, ladies, like, you know, I mean, I guess unless you're taking the pill or, some other form of contraception Actually, you feel is very reliable. I feel like the RFDS boxes have them now. Only the Queensland box. Oh, I think WA has them as oh, well. Maybe. I, I'm yeah. pretty. I want to say they do. I'm not sure. I know but even then, doesn't. that's you having to give up some privacy by asking yeah. the person who could be male or female. Yeah, that is in charge of the RFDS box and has to sign in and sign out. Yeah, and normally they only have one. One. Yeah, and we're not saying that you're going to need it because you're going to go and be irresponsible, but it's just about extra insurance. You never know. I'm not saying it's because you're having consensual sex or non-consensual, like whatever the circumstance is. As I've said before, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it, especially if you know. You generally never get time off. I mean, it's hard to get time off, but generally on a weekday or when maybe you get a Sunday off, you go into town, all the pharmacies are closed or whatever. Or well, it's something you've got to do in a pretty timely, timely manner as well. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you can go to the clinics. And when I worked on one place, we drove a few backpackers into the clinic quite often. Um, but uh, they they don't always have them. But sorry, either. that's not a that's not a digger backpacker. Sorry, that's that was just a. Anyway, anybody can. Yeah, anyone can anyone. need it. But um, if if you can have one, if if you think that there's even a small chance that you might need one, it, it's probably best to do it in case you had a terrible situation like what you just said about the horrible girls in the rodeo. Yeah, which was I was mortified when I heard that, that story. Is like terrible. that's that's, that's a dog really- act. Anyway, so I guess I don't want to like talk about this for too long because people are like, why is she trying to give me advice on my sex life? But the the moral of the story is. Don't rely on your partner, whether it's male or female, to come with protection and to be disease-free. Or even, you know, some people don't even know if they're carrying stuff. So just be careful. And look look after you. Yeah, look after yourself because, you know, one thing can impact you for the rest of your life. Like once you get herpes, I think that's one of those things where you have it for life. You can't get rid of it. If you get chlamydia, I think it is, you can go on fertile. So, you know, one, one, if you leave it too long, leave it too long. Yeah. Yeah. So one romp at a rodeo on your gap year up north could mean that you may not be able to have children later on. Like, I know that's a very dramatic example, but just, you know, small actions can have huge consequences and you only have to take small measures to to mitigate those risks. Yeah. But even what I was saying about the bag of tricks and things, like we've talked about those two items, but even just something like ladies, like thrush cream. Yeah. Yeah. That's something else that could mean some really uncomfortable period of time for you until you can get to town again. Or maybe they've got something that you could use. Something for cold sores as well or. Yeah. Any, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, Come with plenty of supplies. Yeah. Cause yeah, like it's just so hard to even think of it. Like I probably should write a a blog list for all the pharmaceuticals you should probably take out. But, but yeah, it's again, better to have it and not need it than to need it and And not have it. Yeah. And if you you don't use it, I'm sure somebody else in the camp Yeah, will, so. exactly. That's so true. 
Um, okay, so that was actually 10, but I put a little bonus one in there. Oh, a bonus. Um, and it's to appreciate something each day. So we started off gratitude. talking. Gratitude is an attitude, right? <gasps> snap. <laughs> snap, snap. Um, yeah, so we talked about that earlier, obviously, but yeah, some, like I've said, some days you'll get caught up in all the crazy politics potentially or busyness of life on the station you can forget where you are and the beauty around you and the unique experiences you're having so just stop open your eyes and just be for a minute stop running around and chasing things and just listen and yeah sounds really hippie but just enjoy the moment (laughs) i actually too if anybody's worried that this is too hippie so i know one station where at mealtimes they do three things they're grateful for that day and another station they do pit and peak. So they talk about the pit of the day, which is like the worst part of the day. So, mm. oh, I got a flat tire today, but my peak was good. The year yes, after work was that. so good. Best or, 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 you know, we smashed yeah. through, you know, we, we finished all the wieners by smoker when we thought it was going to take till lunch. So to, and I think it's important to go around at the end of the day because you kind of, then you can just kind of get it off your chest, but to yeah. really recognize. And I like the pit and peak because sometimes if you just do the gratitude, it's like, oh, I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky. Everything's so wonderful. Look at everything yeah. I'm so blessed to have. Whereas pit and peak is like, you know what? There were some less desirable parts of the day, but I still yeah. recognize the good in today, even with whatever has happened that I didn't want to happen. Yeah. It lets people have a little whinge and get it off their chest and they generally feel better. So I, th- yeah, I definitely agree. And I, I remember one time, um, I was on a station in the Barclay and we were driving around and like, I'll remember this always like, um, and we're sort of, I think we were rushing around a little bit, but then we all sort of stopped because there was this flock of brogues kind of like dancing on the Mitchell Grass Plains. And I was it, like, it's such a, it was probably like 50 of them. I, I've never seen anything wow. like that since. Yeah. Yeah. It was really amazing. And, you know, like, or, you know, that's a beautiful moment or even just sometimes that shooting star near the campfire or something like there's a lot of amazing moments you can have working on a station and it's pretty amazing. We're safe. We're healthy. We're having a great time. We're generally there with friends, and it's an amazing adventure. We have our freedom. We have good quality air. Yeah, yeah. We are really blessed. A a very pristine environment. Yeah, relative to the rest of the world, like we we are very fortunate. Yeah, we do. There's still going to be issues and shitty parts, but overall, yeah, pretty bloody lucky. Yeah, I thank my lucky stars every day. I was born in Australia. We're so lucky. Wow. So we made it through the list. We did. I Hopefully feel like we've you still got just, people with us. <laughs> yeah. Have you got any like parting advice for people? Um, I feel like I've, I've dished out a lot of advice. I've, I feel like I'm going to turn these into inf- not infographics, but like little cute little pictures, you know, like with like watercolor backgrounds, little quote pictures that you'd put on Instagram and Facebook. And sure. We yeah. should, or we should make these like little, um, cards that people can get like affirmation not affirmation cards but little cards that you could like have around your room or a little poster to pin up in your wardrobe i think these are really like they're very applicable and people like practical pragmatic tips that people can do and it's not like sorry i'm just actually i just i'm a real big fan of all the advice that's good that's good you know and it and i guess that comes up like you know i wouldn't have known that when i was 18 i wouldn't have had that insight but traveling and meeting other people imagine if we'd been able to listen to a um podcast or read a blog before we ever went out there oh i'm kind of glad we didn't though like it was a bit different back then but yeah the world's changed a lot in the last 10 years yeah i've been saying that it's a lot different going out now so i'd yeah, yeah. but this is even more relevant now, I think, because of the fast-paced digital world that we live in. It's social media, it's mental health, to be comparison. grounded. Yes. Yeah. 
Alrighty. I should probably let you get to bed. It's like 11 o'clock, but the <laughs> things we do to bring a life advice to, to Central to, to Station people. listeners. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks heaps for letting, having me on your show. Steph. We'll have you back soon. Good night, oh, sure. man. Sure. Night, Steph. <laughs>